podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire Podcast. Westra is Bestra. Joining me as always is Big M. How are we, Martin? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Half term. The kids are home. I'm sleeping in, and you know they're going to cause some riots today. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, how are you yourself, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Good, good. Well, between your kids and my dogs, you know we uh, we it could be a bit of a fun one today. It could be a, a, an exciting one. You know what? I, I've just realised this. You know, since we started doing this, almost every week you're comparing your dogs to my kids. Yeah. And I, I don't know how I to that. So that's that's the joy of having grown up kids is um, they tend to leave you alone. For, they're, they're either still in bed or they leave you alone because you're you know you're not cool and stuff. So um, yeah, you, you've got that to come, mate. It's, it's quite nice, but you know disappointing at the same time because you realise how old you are. But yeah, it's it comes it comes to us all. But no. <laughs> Um, I mean, we've got so much stuff to talk about this week. I mean, literally loads and loads and loads. And if we started going on about all the WRU stuff this week, which is important, and it's, you know, it is the big story and it is all of that, you know, there's so much stuff to go through. If we did that, we wouldn't have time for rugby. And what we do is rugby. So... What we'll do is we'll 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 focus on the Scarlets this week. We'll focus on that performance on on Saturday, and the girls' teams and the boys' teams and community rugby. And then next week, when it's in theory, you know, should just be the England game to to review. We'll have a more of a chat about it then. So we're not going to ignore it. We're not going to you know, say it's not happening. We're just going to say it's not for us for this week. And, um, yeah, we want to focus on the positive stuff, such as the Scarlet's game on Saturday night. <laughs> so tell me your thoughts on that game on Saturday night, my friend. Ah, uh, mate, I was bouncing. That is, the, I, I don't know what it is. I, I know, you know, winning rugby can have an effect on you, but the atmosphere that's been building in that ground all season... And it just keeps getting better and better. Mm. You know, the, I think the official stats were just over seven and a half thousand in there, but if mm. felt a little more, it was it was riveting. It was enthralling. You just felt part of everything, and mm. you just watching the rugby and watching some of the things that we're doing, and it just makes it all the better. Mm. I mean, I love rugby. You know, I I, I always have. Always well, even you know when we're in the doldrums, and that could quite easily make a normal person fall in love with rugby just being in that environment. <laughs> I I think the thing was it it was exciting stuff. You know, sometimes you can win and have a bonus point with like five uh, uh, scrum tries or five um, uh, lineup drives and stuff, and it wasn't that. It was exciting, interesting rugby to watch. It was. Like you say, if you were, if you were watching that as your first game, when you're going, you know, this is what I come to see every week, then 
you're 100% committed straight away, you're in. Because it was just, I don't, we seem to be running at space again. When we're throwing the ball, it's sticking. You know, there was one bit where Fafita literally caught the ball on the tops of his fingers and it was kind of like his hand was bent back, but the ball would just seem to be like sticking to the end of his fingers and then it came in. You know, it's stuff like that that you just, uh, uh, yeah, sitting there and, and cheering again, which, you know, that some of the victories that we've had on the last six wins on the bounce now and... You know, since uh, since that South Africa trip, really, we've been playing some good rugby. And, and I've always, yeah, I've kind of been waiting for something to go wrong. Do you know what I mean? I kind of think, you know, oh, maybe we've, we've, we've nicked a couple there or we've just, we've got away with a couple. Uh, that game on Saturday felt like uh, comfortable. Do, do you know what I mean? It felt like we were actually... There and um and and on the pitch, I'm a hundred percent with you that I was really worried going into that game. I mean, anyone who listened to the podcast last week, <laughs> I was like, our our history against Edinburgh is not the best. They seem to be a bit of a boggy team for us. Always going to back the boys. You can't not back the boys. But I was really, I I was on a bit of a knife's edge, and yeah, it literally. Apart from maybe the first, you know, two minutes where they, they did they did try moving the ball around and they got a teeny bit of joy. Mm. You know, there there wasn't a second in that game where I thought, you know, we could seriously lose this. Mm. And, you know, watching a game as any rugby fan, you know, is it's it's lovely to have those feelings, you know, unless you're Leinster, you know, then it probably gets quite boring. But yeah. um <laughs> yeah. Just watching it, seeing some good stuff, knowing, not knowing, but feeling that yeah, you're not losing this game is is, is really nice. Well, for me, when I when I looked at it, in rucks, Edinburgh were committing three and four men in every ruck, and what that meant was like, like on their ruck and on our ruck, and we were only committing two, maybe three men on our ruck. You know, on their ruck, they they were, they were like, I, I counted at least two rucks in the first half where they had four men in, and even our tackler was back on his feet. We had no, we had no men in the ruck, and they had four men committed to a breakdown. So we, it's things like that, and you look at it and you go, okay, you know, we we've obviously worked on something here, and it's paying off because by the time you got to the second and third ruck. We just had numbers everywhere, and that's why, you know, with like the um, Fafita's interception try, I think we had like eight on four in that defensive line. Do you know what I mean? We had two yeah. players on each of these because they they just kept over committing to rucks, and we made the yeah. most of it. Yeah, you know? that that part of the game. I, I know we're still early on, but that that was insane. And that, you know, they they had the ball at the line out, and they played two phases of crash balls. And you know, the first tackle I think was Costello on Mata. And I, I'm I'm gonna put credit. I love Costello as a player, but his appetite as a ten to defend and to tackle is amazing. <laughs> he could mm. quite easily, you know, fit in the back row. 
you know, mm. that's how much he loves to tackle, which is, you know, is not unheard of, but it's very uncommon, especially for a 10 in Wales. Yeah. And yeah. once he's made that tackle, I, I know Sean Hawley pointed this out on Scrum 5, but you'll see it from every player in the Scarlets, especially over the, since the, the start of December. The moment you make that tackle, that desire and that work rate to roll away, get up and get back in line has mm. been top notch. And that is exactly what happened through those two phases. And we just had so many men, like you said, and our line speed has been pretty, pretty good. And it's been getting incredibly consistent over the, the full 80 minutes. Mm. And that's what caused Bennett to have a bit of a fumble. And Fafita was just like, you know, I'm having that. I'm going to take a casual stroll down the other end of the pitch and I'm going to put the ball down. Are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. But that was his own 10-yard line, you know. And this is a guy that plays... 65 metres is... Oh, wow. But this is a guy that plays second row most of the time, you know. So that's that's, that's how athletic and and quick our pack is now. We've got second rows, back rows, outpacing wingers over half the pitch. And, you know, when, when you look at it in those terms, it's... The, the the change in focus from being a set piece you know we, we used to have some big heavy set piece boys and we're, we're much more dynamic now um i i just it, it's it's working it's definitely working now nobody can look at that game on saturday and say oh, you sneaked a couple or you got lucky with a couple or there was a referee decision or anything like that it was those boys just actually played really really well and um, you know, I, I, people like Dan Davis and Sean Evans in the turnovers. Oh my lord! I mean, just every time they went in, there was a turnover. It was it was superb to watch. Absolutely superb. I mean, we've we've raved about Dan Davis. I mean, I think everybody has, and a lot of people were calling for him to be involved with Wales, and you know. Thankfully, Gatland doesn't pick on form. So, you know, mm. we've kept him. Yeah. But um, Sean Evans is always, uh, as, you know, for a player, for me, now I'm, I'm not just talking about this game, I'm talking about in general over the years. I've always been, you know, kind of middling with him because he started off as an open side and then he converted a hooker. And obviously everyone who's watched the Scarlets will know that Sean Evans is probably the smallest hooker you'll ever see. <laughs> and, you know, it, 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 you do get that concern that, you know, okay, he's not going to be a ball carrier. You want your hooker to be a nice big ball carrier. You want someone in the mould of Ken Owens and Derry Lake who will just truck our ball up. And what Sean loses in that sort of physicality and attack, he gains so much in his work at the rack. I mean, he's he is a nuisance. I mean, he can be in that. He could be, you know, seven on one against him <laughs> and he will find a way to slow it down. And you know that that's that's what a you know a, a nuisance rock player does, and he was outstanding for you know. We know he's not you know the the first or second choice soccer, but he seems to be pushing Davos really hard for that third spot. Mm. And well, and Taylor he offers Davis well. so much. Yeah, yeah. Taylor came on. Taylor well, so... Yeah, Taylor came on. He was pretty good. Mm. Uh, but I'm talking about Sean, but yeah, we'll talk we'll talk about Taylor. In, in a little bit, but I, I just, I, I think someone like Sean, you've, you've got to really admire and respect because of 
where he's come from. He's come as a seven. He would, I think, I think he was like you know, 22, 23 before they said, you know what, this isn't really working. You're not going to get much of an opportunity here. Let's change you to hooker now instead of, you know, when you're 16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah. So for him to go through that and to, you know, still be worthwhile, still be fighting for a regional place is, is outstanding. And, you know, I love a good jackler, and he is a good jackler. Mm. Well, the, the the reason I said about Taylor Davis was you just look at the strength and depth that we've got there, and you know, and we've got boys in the world's under twenties, and we've got boys coming through from the under eighteens, and all of that kind of stuff. And you know, we've got some real strength and depth building in the front row now. You know, I, and front row is not a position that you, you, you know. In the backs, you can kind you come through a lot earlier as a uh, you know your your speed, your pace, your all of that kind of stuff. But front row, you need to work at that for you know a good five or six seasons at senior level before you get to that top level. And you look at the you know, the the depth chart that the Scarlets have got in the front row now, and you actually go, Do you know what? I think we're we're gonna be okay for the next four or five seasons. You know, regardless of what happens with professional rugby in West Wales or, or whatever, Scarlets are going to be okay for a good, you know, 10, 15 years in the front row now. We've got some real quality coming through in that front row. Yeah, and I, I think anyone who's in the game, they just really want, especially in the front row, you want three players in each position that can handle their business. Mm-hmm. And even if we lose you know, some of our more senior players, even if we lose, you know, Wynn Jones, even if we lose Ken Owens and Elias, even if we, even if Samson doesn't return, if, you know, Will Griff doesn't, if he Will Griff buggers off, if Sebastian goes to Scotland, that many players can leave and we're still okay. We're still looking good. Mm. And I know, I know he's only featured, I think once off the bench is a young Sam O'Connor, and he has been a mainstay in the Llanelli RFC front row, and it's one of the few places that's coming out of, with credit from the Welsh Premiership. And you know, he, I think he's only twenty. Hmm. So, and, and like you said, it does take a while for props and for you know, especially front five forwards to bed in at senior level. So for him to be consistently Welsh Premiership holding his own. He, like might not be ready to come in for a, a full season, but you know a few bench spots here and there. Mm. You know it. We we just do have that depth there, which is lovely. Mm. And I, I I'm just still can't get over. We've got five front rowers in the Welsh under twenty squad. I mean that is just. <laughs> and but... one of the our loose head is in the under teams, which, you know, it, it just says something more. He's probably not going to play this season, or if he does, he's only got to get a few minutes against Italy. But mm-hmm. the fact that we've got an under-18 boy, a loose head, in yeah. the Wales under-20s, that's, that's just that's nuts. I mean, I know young players get up here, but for a front-row forward to be that young and in the Welsh under-20s, you know, that, that can only say good things about this boy's uh, potential and future. And I think a lot of that credit goes to Phil John, mate. He's the work that he does with the academy boys that's coming through and even with the senior boys. And then, you know, you go from someone like Phil John and then you hand them on to... um, Ben Franks. Ben Franks, yeah. And and you're like, okay, you know, there's some real 
quality of coaching um and it shows what that quality of coaching can do you know when you invest in players from a, a skill point of view you do get the the end result so yeah um and, and the person i'm impressed with most is is kemsley matthias because he, he wasn't a big name coming through he wasn't you know he's just stuck at the work and he's he's really really worked at it and you know i'd probably say he's either number one or number two in the club at the minute you know yeah i am 100 percent with you um I was hearing talk from some people earlier in the season and they were saying, oh, once Matthias is, you know, fully fit, he's going to take things by storm. And at the time, Stefan Thomas was playing incredibly well. And I was just thinking, you know, this is this is a young boy. I think he's 22, 23. No, he's a prop. It's never, never an easy position. But, you know, let, let's give him some time. And I've said it in the past few weeks as well, just his performances have been outstanding he yeah. he fits in massively well he is he's our number two behind win and with win being like that's my opinion mm. obviously you know, some people might have, have different opinions or whatever <laughs> but even when when win is away for as long as he is and you know when you get an older player who does pick up a few extra knocks you know we're looking at matthias is going to be playing starting at least 10 games a mm. season and he's like I said, he's twenty two, twenty three. That is is brilliant. And I, if he continues on his trajectory, I'm I'm not gonna you know boost over and say he should be getting capped right now. But I'm gonna say if this trajectory carries on, you know it won't be too long in the future when he gets drafted in, mm-hmm. even if it's just to take a look at him, because like I said, his work around the park is is up there. It's on level with you know with that professional standard and mm. is scrummaging okay he's a loose head so you know mm. I, I i'm a little bit biased here tight heads have the hard job loose heads are just there to make up numbers but um oh you're you gonna know, be popular he... <laughs> oh it's it's just my own opinion it's just my own opinion of playing across the front row you know i uh, I, I loved playing tight dead because it was just so much work to do and you know half your, half your body's not really doing much when you're on the loose you're like oh my arm's just flopping by you I just let dangle it on him I mean I, I, I all joking aside you know because it, it's not exactly easy I'm just, I'm just you know taking a piss from uh, my own experiences <laughs> but, but no I mean, tight dead is, is so much more difficult you know hmm. technically in, in my own opinion than Lou said uh, but you know, his scrummaging has been brilliant and he, he's not taking a backward step. And even when he's getting overpowered, his, his shape and his form doesn't alter. He's moving back and, you know, he's not dropping down because what we tend to see a lot of is when, you know, a front row or any singular player is getting beaten, he's getting overloaded, the instinct or what happens is they just collapse. And what I'm seeing with Kemsley is his is foot position and the way they move straight down. Mm. And, okay, it's not going to help in the effect that we're going to you know, somehow win the ball, but it prevents a penalty going against yeah, us. And that, that, shouldn't yeah. be, that, should, that shouldn't be understated. Mm. And that's something that he's been doing brilliantly well all season. Yeah. I think the danger is now that you look at people like... Um, Kemsley Matthias and then 
Dan Davis and Tupelotu and Dane Blacker and Costello and uh, Eddie James. Eddie James had a fantastic debut. Um, uh, About time. Roberts. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? And then you're going, all right, okay, there's, you know, that's the core of the team going forward. And the chances are most of them are going to get taken for Wales. And as soon as we start building that that squad, it'll get kind of not ripped apart, but the the backbone of it. I I can see the backbone of that squad um, after this World Cup um, being taken for Wales or whatever. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen with Welsh rugby? But do, yeah. do, do you know what I mean? I I can understand your fear, and I'm just you know I'm. I've always been club before country, and that, <laughs> yeah. that's my mainstay is you've got to do your business for your club, your region, yeah. before you even think about international duty. And in that regard, I don't rate Gatland as a progressive attacking coach. And for me personally, his reign has got as, as damaged more players than it has helped and i'm talking specifically about the players who are younger third choice in their position and they just get left holding tackle bags for six seven weeks at a time no game time no nothing and then eventually it affects their form and their confidence and those players just dwindle off i mean and i'm i'm referring to someone like rodri williams tavis noyal ali davis as scrum halves who are perfect examples by uh, of players who showed massive talent, mm. massive ability, and they were just squandered within that Welsh squad yeah. to basically go on and be bang average players when they could have been so much more. Could have been. Yeah, and I'm hoping in that in that side of it, the Gatland stays and he keeps away from the players who are on form, which is 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 what he does. <laughs> but so, you know so we said this at the start of the season, didn't we? We said that you know we it didn't look like we were gonna have many players in the Welsh team. And what that would mean is it would allow those the players it allows Dwayne Peel to kind of build a squad to build like a regular fifteen or a regular twenty-three and and that's exactly what's happened. You know, we we we're pretty much steady with who we're selecting, and the players that are there have had a chance to develop around each other. They're developing the the style of play. They know what's coming, and that familiarity is what you need. And that's what was missing at the start of the season, or part of what was missing at the start of the season, and the ability to tackle, but. You know that understanding of each other was missing, and now that it's there, you, you, that positivity is is definitely coming. So you say taking somebody yeah. out of that system to hold a tackle bag for eight weeks, ten weeks, it's just a pointless exercise, isn't it? Doesn't do anyone yeah. any good. Well, if we look at our own twenty-three now, and you're saying about the building that consistency over the last nine games, there have only been nine changes, as in nine new boys come into the starting 15 who weren't involved the week before. So mm. you, you're talking about consistency. Okay, it, it's it's not one player every week. It's, it's one one week, two, another, zero one week. But it's that sort of consistency that does help and build a proper squad. Mm. And, and that is, 
definitely paying off for us. You know, definitely paying. So who were the who were the key players that stood out for you on on the weekend? And who who were the players that deserve a shout? Oh, who doesn't deserve a shout? That's that's the question. I mean, he got man of the match, so we do have to talk about Sam Lousy. Mm-hmm. And he deserved that try. I'm really angry about that. He deserved that try. The ref told him he was okay. Yeah. If the ref tells you you're okay, you shouldn't allow a TMO to overrule you. Unless it's a foot in touch, you shouldn't let the TMO overrule you. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. You need to trust yourself and just go, look, I know you're saying I've messed up by you, but I've said something on, on the field that what I saw was okay, and I'm letting it carry on. Mm. But I, when he picks up the, that Scottish nine, yeah, yeah, the Edinburgh nine, moves the ball so it's flat, and he moves the ball and stands it up. Now, to me, if you're moving that ball, you have possession of the ball. Yeah? The ball, you don't magically kind of move the ball from one position to another. He had to have possession of the ball. And if you've got possession of the ball, then the ball is out of the ruck. If you then leave the ball there, then that's uh, uh, that's offside because you you know you moved the ball forward and you left it in the ruck. So either way, I think he was hard done by on that because he definitely the ball is flat and then he picks the ball up and, and kind of twists it around so that he can pick it up and and do a box kick. Um so one way or the other, I think it's one of those grey areas about, you know, uh, yeah, the the first the, the first look at it and go, no, he was still in the ruck. And then you look at it again and you go, actually, he's got possession of the ball. And if he's got possession of the ball, then, you know, what is the rule about having possession of the ball? Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. And it, it, it is something that needs to be cleared up and something that... Okay, I, I didn't pay as much attention to it on our side of the game as I probably should have, considering I'm going to comment on Edinburgh's. <laughs> but every time they were, we, we know about this caterpillar, we know about how it's a tactic for the box kick and whatever. But when I was watching them, and from what I know is, to be a part of a rack, mall, whatever, you need to have a full arm bind. Mm. And that's when you're considered a part. If you've only got a hand on, you, you're not bound. And quite a few times he was moving that ball out under players who hadn't even got a hand on the ruck yet, never mind, you know, a full arm. And that's that's something that it, it, it does bug me a little bit. Mm. I, I I get that, you know, the kicking is such a massive part of the game now, which, you know, it, it, it doesn't always board well for the fan when you have a bit of ping pong. But it's those little sides of the game that need to be cleared up just trying to Try to make the product a bit better yeah. and just uh, try and stop this slowing down. I, I know you've got to slow down the game depending on you know, momentum and all this stuff, but do it you know, legally. Don't just try and you know, wing it and hope it comes off because the amount of times, like you said, he was moving that ball back and it, it weren't under the single player and he was just allowed to leave it there. I mean, I think there was a few times that, you know, he was on the left side behind his right. His player was binding on to the right side, and he was just pulling the ball in a straight line. Mm. 
and he's like, it's, it's not under anybody. And then when he gets to the foot, he just sort of tucks it in next to it. It's like yeah. that, that ball is clearly out of the rack under the, you know, it's got to be underneath a player. But then Lousy just kind of destroyed them. Every one of his <sighs> kicks was, I think he charged three kicks down um, and, and caused havoc around it. So, you know. He could have had more. Yeah. He really could have had more because it was a couple that he didn't he didn't attempt to charge down on. And the time that he took on those ones, he was really lucky. Lows. He was like, okay, I'm not going to do this one. Mm. But So the other player that I, I thought had a really good game is Steph Evans, who, you know, we've been, we've been talking about Steph Evans for a while and he tried at centre and we thought he was better at centre probably than he was on the wing at the minute. But... I thought he just had one of his best games for such a long time. He was he was just everywhere. And he was offloading and he was flicking around the back and he was dropping players with a shoulder. Do you know it was it was like it was like the Steph of old with a little bit extra. And um, you know, full credit to him, it would have been really easy for, for him to take the money and run, you know. I've got no doubt that he's been offered an opportunity to go to France or England or Japan or wherever. Um, but he's stuck at it because he wants to, you know, he wants to be a scarlet. He wants to play for Wales. And I really, really hope now, I think he's six tries behind Tommy Bow or something like that for the all-time try scorer. I would love to see him get that this season. I know it's a bit of a hard task with the the, the running at the end of the, the year, but, you know, he just needs one decent game where he gets a, a couple of tries or a hat-trick or whatever, and all of a sudden it looks very, very doable, like, you know. But, yeah, full credit to him because he's really kind of knuckled down and um, he just he doesn't seem to be a player that people rave about, you know. But yeah, I, I I know exactly what you mean. I mean, we had that that stage in his career back in 2016, 2017, where he was a a, a younger player who was setting things alight, and people were like, "Get him in the wheel squad. He's that good." Hmm. And now, and he's admitted this himself in interviews and so much that he his defense hasn't been a massive work on, and it's still a work on now. But he has improved that massively. And I think apart from one drop ball early in the first half, which, okay, we, we should have kept possession and we should have moved through the through the phases. But it, it, it wasn't a try-scoring opportunity. It, it wasn't even a, a chance of a clean break or nothing. So it's not hmm. nothing major to be disheartened about. Hmm. He is industrious. He does his job. He is a solid regional player. And... Okay, I think there's a little bit too much talent on the wingers at the minute, especially with, you know, the older generation still getting picked as in Alex Cuthbert, etc. Mm. But there is there's still a chance that he could, you know, be involved in a wheel squad. Maybe not get more many more caps, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him pick up maybe another cap in 2021 when the Lions are on or, you know, maybe uh, bring him back in for some autumn internationals just to see look okay he's playing really well let's let's get him back in let's see where he, he actually stands has he improved over the last few years hmm. yeah i i think i mean i i'm not bothered about wales not picking him because it's it's definitely benefiting the scarlets um but 
for for him, he he's absolutely does uh, The bit that I think is holding him back is his haircut. If he got rid of that stupid bloody muller <laughs> and he actually had a decent sodden haircut, I think leave him oh, alone. Leave him alone. I'm just like oh. Steph. Come on, fella, let's sort the hair. Come on, I'll do it for you myself. I'll I'll, I'll get the clippers. We go. We'll we'll sort this out now, son. But you you've got a serious grudge against this haircut, man. <laughs> you can't stand oh, it. We're never gonna hear. The, we're never gonna hear oh. the end of it. I mean. But, I, I think he's listen. He's going to be listening to this. He is. Isn't and he's he? going to go. You know what? I'm, I'm going to make it worse for him. Yeah. I'm going to think of something. He's going to dye it so blonde dodgy. or something, isn't he? He's going to say dye it blonde with like a green Mohican streak down the middle or something. Yeah, stupid. I, 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 I was thinking he's got to go Mohican or something now and make sure it's you know it's yeah. it, it's spiked properly. And there's so much bloody gel and product in there. It's not even going to waver in bloody gale 60 wins or something. <laughs> yeah, no. So the one other bit, the <laughs> one other incident in there to, to talk about is where Joe Roberts... Um, has a little bit of a a little bit of afters with um with the Edinburgh uh, backline, and why I don't know because he was the one in the right. I just think Edinburgh were rattled, in all honesty. But it was the bit where um, he goes through and you know, everything stops and what have you. Um, and then it all just kicks off, and I couldn't I couldn't see why. It just kind of, do you know what I mean? It just kind of kicks off. And normally there's like yeah. somebody got tackled or there was a short arm or somebody somebody said something, just nothing. And it was like, right, I'm having you, bang. And it's bizarre. Yeah, it, it was quite weird, you know, um, from the, the, the incident you're talking about. The ball went back into the Edinburgh 22 uh, the ref blew for um, a penalty. I think it was Cal's high tackle. Uh, but as, as the ref, as the whistle went, you know Roberts was you know already committed to a tackle. He half pulled out, so you know it, it didn't cause much damage. But mm. he just you know bumped into the player, and then as he started walking away, his eyes were still on the player that he'd half tackled. And then Mark Bennett just you know just come in, both hands just smash. You're going mm. over by, and I I don't understand why and. You know, it's okay. We we all like seeing that side of the game. Probably not against our own players, but we, we like seeing that argy bargy, that bit of niggle. But you know, for for the ref to not even say, you know, calm mm. it down now. You know, and, and I'm not letting that go any mm. further. Which is what a ref should have done because that could have been the starting point that escalated into something much worse. Mm. You know, it didn't just because of how much we smashed them. I gotta say that. <laughs> but you know, it's it's a it's a nothing incident, but. It's got to be addressed, which is yeah. the main yeah. point. I, but what I think happened is Edinburgh just kept winding themselves up. I think people have still got this attitude that um, we saw from the Dragons, we saw from Cardiff, saw from the Ospreys to a certain extent. Uh, Scarlet's poor discipline, and you know you need to get them wound up. You need to do something. You need to rattle them, and then they'll start giving away yellow cards. And I think that side of our game has disappeared now. I, I don't I don't see that side of our game so much as it was at the start of the season. 
Um, but I think people, I think that's what Edinburgh were looking to do. They were looking to wind people up and start pulling yellow cards out. Um, and it didn't work. Just didn't. Yeah, didn't. It, it, it's, it's no secret that our discipline in regards to cards hasn't been the best. I mean, we, we, we shipped 18 cards, I think four of them reds. And, you know, the closest team, you know, behind us is on 11. So it, it, it is a, a fair very different though you if you do look at the last few matches i mean no yellow against edinburgh i i thought the yellow against joe roberts against the bulls was a little bit harsh but they're not cynical like the last the last cynical one we had was you know calamaphony trying to drop moriarty hmm. so uh, it's it seems as though that side has leveled out i think early on in the season and you know even through to December, you know, it was more frustration of we are playing better than what we are getting results for. And I think that was a massive contributor to that side of it. And now that we've started turning things around, we started picking up wins, that frustration isn't there anymore. So the, you know, the hemorrhage in the cards and penalties is just, it's just gone. The reason for them has disappeared. So they've disappeared. Hmm. So I, I know we'll talk about this a bit more next week, but um, our next game is Munster away. So, you know, we talk about you know, big challenges. Munster started the season the same way we did with a poor run of form, but they're up to fourth now and we're, we're, we're not. Um, so, you know, massive, massive challenge coming up against Munster, especially the way they played against the Ospreys. I mean, they were awesome against the Ospreys um, and full respect to them for it. But, how how nerve are we nervous or are we looking forward to that game? I've I'm a happy anxious, <laughs> and you know going to Limerick, you know regardless if we're playing in Tormand or if we're playing in one of the the lesser grounds, it's it's always an experience and it's I I want to I've I've never done an away trip to another country bar in England, and I I really want to do it. And you know, Limerick is is up there in one of, one of my top places. That if we, if I ever do decide to go, I'm going. Hmm. You know, but um, look, looking at the Ospreys game, and I'm I'm using this as my guideline to where they are because you know, international break you've got to use you know the most hmm. recent games. You you can't look at the form from the season because it's just not the same squad. Yeah. And Ospreys made Munster look good, in my opinion. I thought that the Ospreys were, you know, incredibly poor, especially in the first up tackling and the scramble defence. And I think we can attribute almost all of Munster's tries to, you know, half arse tackling or not so much laziness, but not being in position. Yeah. And yeah. for me, that is something that we are not going to do against them. So I'm not going to say we're going to go out there and we're going to smash them and we're going to, you know, we're going to have a nice easy bonus point win or whatever because it's always going to be a difficult game, even if they're playing poorly. You know, going to Limerick is, is never an easy game. Hmm. Though, from what I've seen, I'm, 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 I've got a big smile on my face and I'm like, you know, this, this is a challenge, but um, it's one that I think that we're more than capable of doing, especially given the, the last two matches that we've played, both of us. Mm. 
And I, I, I'm the same. I, I'm looking forward to somebody actually challenging us and giving us a good game again, because, like I say, I, I'm, I'm still feeling a little bit kind of um, having gone through what we went through at the start of the season. You're just expecting it all to kind of fall down around your ears, and every game that we play now, and we we play the way we did against Edinburgh, you just build that confidence more. You're just getting that that you know this year actually we we have sorted it, we are back on form, and I think that's uh, you know playing Munster, especially playing Munster away, is is a a big big challenge that I think we need. I think. No, this is. I think this is a game now that Dwayne will be looking at and going like, "Yeah, this is. This will tell us really where we are now. You know, are we a top four side? You know, can we be a top four side? This is the game that's going to tell us if we are or if we aren't." Yeah, and it's it's not just the the Munster game. The fact is, we've got Sharks at home. The next one up, we've got a bit of respite in Europe in between then, but <laughs> then we've got Glasgow away. So we've got you know three teams who are you know they are top eight you know Munster and Sharks probably be feeling that they when they're playing their best they should be top four mm-hmm. so uh, this is going to be a, a good good you know a, a good gauge on where we're actually at over the over the coming weeks yeah. and I'm, I'm just annoyed that we've got to wait weeks to watch <laughs> these for these next two games but I mean, then, you know, you, when you listen to Dwayne after the game on Saturday, so you know we had a good two-week run into this game, and now we've got a couple of days off, and then we've got another two-week run in for the next game. So, you know, they're obviously looking at the videos, they're looking for the weak spots, they're looking at, you know, where they can attack, and then working out where they can do it, and putting a game plan in specific to, you know, the opposition. So, I'm yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm enjoying you know watching the Scarlet and obviously you know anyone who is a Scarlet fan or actually anyone who's really a, a, a sort of neutral Welsh rugby fan at the minute will be enjoying watching the Scarlet. Mm. And obviously, I, I've never been involved in you know higher end coaching as as much as I would love to at this point. <laughs> but um, for me personally, when it comes to you know you're looking at analysing other teams, I I'm kind of on the mindset of you know eighty percent of my training week is is set in stone. It, it it doesn't matter who we're playing, that eighty percent isn't changing. I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm cracking on with it. And it's only that last twenty percent that you're looking at, okay, what what extra tidbits do we need to work on? What can we do that will affect, you know, the opposition? So, you know, majority of what's going on I, I think has been very consistent. And, you know, we're paying less and less attention to our opposition. Obviously, with with due respect, obviously, mm-hmm. because you know you, there's always a that line of respect that you've got to give to any opposition. You have got to look at them. You have got to see you know where you need to touch up, what you can look at. But at the same time, with looks, it looks as though we're focusing a lot of our attention on ourselves, and that is what's given us a lot of dividends at the minute. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, we'll return to the uh, the monster game next week. But um, for now, let's have a little look at some of the other... So we said last week, you know, let's hope that we come back with three positive fixtures from the Scarlets over the weekend. And we definitely did. And I think the standout um, result 
from the weekend was actually the girls' team. Yes, and yeah. I'm glad you said that because I, I I'm with you 100. percent Yeah. Um. So I spoke to Daryl last week, and and he was very positive about what was happening within the girls' program and and what have you, and you know how we're really finding our feet again, and you know the future is is quite bright for the girls' team. Um, I think they were a bit disappointed with the five-all draw in RGC, but it was a game that either side could have won by 20-odd points. So then to go up against Cardiff um, in a, you know, Cardiff had basically won the the the, the championship um, and were all singing or dancing. So to win 19-17, you know, regardless of how that win comes about, regardless of of, you know, whatever it was, to put a win over them is fantastic. But then to do it and, and play some good rugby as well was, you know, just superb for the girls. Delighted for them. Yeah, it's it's a brilliant result. And, you know, we, we are the ones that inflicted the the league champions only defeat of the season. And, you know, that's that's enough in itself to to make you smile and to make you proud. And I know you just mentioned the earlier RGC game. I think the girls are going to be kicking themselves for their performance against the Dragons because, you know, they, they lost that game and they, they would really off point. Something didn't go quite right in that game. And, you know, if they turned up and they actually played as they can play, we they would be league champions right now. Yeah. And I think it only it only boards well for the future because a lot of the, the Andre Deems girls are, you know, year 12s a lot of them there's there's not a great deal of year 13s in that so you know i it's going to be a good squad coming into next season and hopefully you know like daryl said hopefully we'll get a few more fixtures involved for these girls next year and we will get a, a more of a chance to actually go and see them because you know i would have loved to have been able to go and watch them i i've got you know I, i've got four girls you know two of them uh a rugby loving at the minute the other ones the older one doesn't isn't interested and the younger one's too young but you know they would love to go and watch some girls play rugby and i i'm really hopeful that even if it's on the training pitch or it's on one of the local clubs grounds you know i want to go and take my 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 own kids to see these girls play yeah and you know the the way that the women's season is structured it's very different to to the men's season so if anybody if anybody wants to know more then certainly have a listen to to Daryl's podcast from last week because he was really really informative and really kind of um went into depth about the differences between the two and and what they hope will will come out of it so you know, fingers crossed. Like you say, next season the the women's game or the girls' game will be um a lot lot more kind of um, in your face, shall we say? So um, yeah. then we got the... on the oh, yeah on on carrying on on the girls' side of it. Um, something that I, I've heard some rumours about is that there's not going to be you know regional women's teams at, at least not in the near future which is um is, is a little bit disappointing i know daryl uh touched on it a bit last week saying that you know they haven't had a, a senior women's for a while and from you know from what i'm hearing is that all sort of senior women's rugby all the money is heading towards further education uh facilities because they will they're willing to invest uh some of their own money which obviously you know if you're going to put your own money in there's more chance of you you get the agreement, but I, I think it's a little bit disheartening that we we're not going to see 
a Scarlet, a Cardiff, Dragons, Ospreys, women's teams. Mm. But at the same time, you know, the, at least there's money going into the girls' game and there's going to be something for them to, to look forward to. Yeah, and for me, to not have a regional team, to not have a regional women's team would be, I think it's the wrong way to go forward. Um, I, I agree that, you know, more investment needs to go into um, the educational, in, into universities and colleges and, and build it from there. But the long-term goal has got to be to have, you know, the equivalent of a women's URC, you know, which, it, it, whichever way around it goes. We need to, that needs to be the goal that we're working towards because, you know, I, I was I was talking to um, my mate who um, I said before, so uh, the, the girl that I used to coach um, is now playing Cardiff Girls. So, you know, for her to train with Cardiff girls, her dad is every Friday night picking her up from college, taking her into Cardiff, waiting two, three hours in Cardiff, taking her back to college, back up on Saturday or back up on Sunday, take it to a game. That's a full day out, back to college, back home. And then some weeks they might train on a Tuesday or a Wednesday as well. So that's back up to college, pick her up. Back. You know, it's a massive commitment for these girls. And, you know, with the boys, you can almost understand it because there is a, there's a bigger goal at the end. There's a monetary goal. There's a, there's a, do you know what I mean? There's a, there's a possibility of a, a professional contract to play rugby professionally at the end of it. For the girls, Without having a regional team, the only goal is to go and play in England somewhere. You know, that's that's yeah. your goal. And it doesn't seem like that's what you want to be saying to, to women and to girls is if you do really, really well, you can go and play your rugby 150 miles away. That's not that's not what you want to do, like, you know. Yeah, and it, it is something that needs to be looked at. And I know that, you know, both sides, you know, men's and women's, the development pathways, uh, obviously more has been put on the girls in recent times with, you know, Nigel Walker being, you know, having full, almost full remit on that. And we have seen some positive changes there. There's, there's going to come a time in, I hope, the near future, that we go from just having a professional national squad to having professional clubs and however many that ends up being obviously that's going to be up for debate and it will build over time based on the revenue that they can pull in but i i am really hopeful that you know we get to see that we get to see a, a stronger girls pathway and we get to see these opportunities for these girls to earn a living not 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 just earn a, a bit of money, earn a living. Now, I mean, okay, I'm not expecting them to be paid on the same level as the men just because the men bring more money into the game. And I, I know there's a lot of talk about equal pay and all and all that. Uh, but you know, for for me, you've you've got to be talking about equal pay in terms of percentage of revenue. You know, if the men get paid five percent of the revenue that they bring in, then the girls should be paid five percent of the revenue they bring in. You know that sort of level because you know the the girl side is is going to take a long time to build the revenue up and we we know that hmm. so it's it's a slow work on but i'm i'm hoping in the near future 
we move from whatever is now 30 professional contracts, maybe we move it up to 60. And then in a couple of years, we build it up to 90 and then eventually to 120. And then we're in a case of, yes, we've we've got enough money, we've got enough revenue that we can start getting three, four proper professional sides. I think the, the key to that is having a plan. And, and that's where Welsh rugby falls down at the minute. It just doesn't have a plan. It's its ability to look forward and uh, and to see what's coming is non-existent. So um, fingers crossed, out of all of the rubbish that's going on at the minute, let's hope that the women's game is included in the plan that goes forward and somehow we come out of this better. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> let's, let's skip over that. Um the men's game. Um, I uh, I had the pleasure of going and watching the uh, under 18s on um, on Sunday afternoon. RGC travelled down with I think half of North Wales uh, travelled down. Nice. Um, yeah, and I'll be fair to them. You know, as supporters, they absolutely came and supported. Um, they shouted, they screamed, they cheered. There were a couple of them with it. Uh, were told by the ref and the uh, touch judge that they were kind of overstepping the mark and they were and they went to be fair to them they they went back and they kind of calmed down a bit but um, yeah they were really really up for it RGC were really really up for that game and the first 10 minutes but not even that the first five minutes we put two tries on them in the first five minutes and RGC just looked blown away they had three players off injured in the first 10 minutes Um. And they just didn't look like they. There was a lot of enthusiasm. There was a lot of running round, and then we just put the ball in space and we scored tries, and it was very easy. And then they started coming back into it. They scored some fantastic tries, some really, really good, fantastic tries. There was one try they scored where um, we cleared it from our twenty-two, and instead of clearing it to the touchlines, we just hoofed it up the middle, and their fullback caught it. Took it forward, couple of rucks, chip over the top, regathered into another ruck, and they sent to just run it straight through into the post. And uh, you know, it it was it was the kind of try that if you saw on a senior pitch, you'd go, "Wow, that that was fantastic." So you know, full credit to them because they came and they didn't sit back. They they absolutely gave everything for that game. It was, it was the last game of the season, the last the last run out, and they gave everything to win that game. And at one point, well, for most of the second half, they were in control of that game. Um, and we found ways back into it. We we wore them down. We did the same things that we've done all season, which is really really frustrating. We created overlap after overlap after overlap. And we didn't use it. We we took crash balls. We we didn't. When you when you look at the way that the the men's team play the game, the senior team, and then you look at the way that the under 18s are playing, and they look like they're from two different clubs. There's there's nothing there. There's no there's no freedom to play. And if we're gonna be um, you know, we were talking about how we're developing props coming all the way through, you know, and that's that's a good thing. If we're going to develop 15 players or 23 players that can all play that similar game, then we need to play that game all the way through the club. That needs to filter down into 
the eighteens, into the sixteens, even to the end of fifteens, you know, about playing what's in front of you. There, there was there was one bit on Sunday where and and I, I without a word of a lie, yeah, you'll uh, if if anybody watches the the video on this, you will see that we had a six on one overlap, yeah, a six on one overlap, and we took the ball into a ruck, and you know you've got players stars. so I, I was obviously on the touchline it was my side of the pitch and the two players that are standing closest to the touchline are absolutely screaming for that ball you know out 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 oh yes come on i want it i want it i want it i want it and in the end we screwed that up and we didn't score we went into a ruck and then we took the ball out and we condensed the space and we condensed the space so we went from running a six on one in half of the pitch to a running uh, uh, trying to run a four on four inside the 15. And then we were trying to put players into space with fancy hands and we knocked the ball on because we were trying to, if we'd have done that when we had a six on one and half the pitch to play in, one of those six would have scored. So it's really frustrating to watch because there's a lot of good players out there, but it's, if we played the way the senior team were, well, we'd, we'd be top of that championship, comfortable. Because we, we should have beaten Cardiff for the first game of the season. You know, we, we'd, we'd more than done enough to beat Cardiff in that first game of the season, without a doubt. And it would have built from there. When we played Dragons at home, they barely touched the ball for most of that game. Um, so to, to come away with only three wins, two of them against RGC, um, it's quite disappointing. It is disappointing, and you know all the Ospreys had is forwards. They 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 didn't have a running backline. They just had forwards, and we should be able to counteract that. So, yeah, disappointing end to the season for the uh, for the under 18s But there's a lot of learnings that can be taken in there, um, and certainly a lot of learnings that need to be taken into next season for the under 18s or not so well a a lot of the style of play and that decision making has got to come down to the coaches because you know they are the ones who are enabling these boys to play and if they are telling them you know you you go into a ruck it doesn't matter what's outside you you go into a ruck then Mm. you know it's it's not going to develop positivity it's not going to develop any sort of attacking game it doesn't matter. He said, "Oh, you've got you've got a fifty meter clear run. Go on, make sure you find someone to get tackled by." You know that's that's basically what, you, what you're being told. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. we obviously we can't exactly comment on the specifics of what these coaches are saying to these players. Unfortunately, I'd mm-hmm. love to be able to you know be a fly on the wall and whatnot, but um, it, it, something just doesn't seem quite right at the minute there. Well, we'll skip over that for now. <laughs> we could talk about that at the end of the season, maybe. It is um, the end of the season for them. Yeah, it is. But uh, you know, we um, we let's let's look at the championship. Let's look at the championship. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, results from from last week: then Narbeth home game against Bedworth, uh, which they lost. Which we both predicted that as a as a fairly decent Narbeth win, in all honesty. But they lost that twenty points to thirteen. 
and that oh, kind of stuffs the end of the season, really, for for yeah. Narbus now. I, I I don't know what happened in that game because um, from some some of the accounts they've read, you know, Narbus they they took an early lead. They you know mm. they they were going good for the first 20, 20 or thirty minutes or so, and it just seems as though it's all imploded. And okay. I I was loving Narbeth at the start of the season. You know the results they were putting in. Okay, they you know they they lost to like uh, the likes of Neath and and Bargai, but you know you're always going to lose to them at this level. But you know the the results, the positivity I I was bouncing from, and and it seems that something's just disappeared now. Like the sparkle has fizzed out, and you know I'm I'm really disheartened by this. Hmm. Well, they they're now seventh in the table. Um, the next game is obviously they're, they're not playing this weekend. Um, there are actually a couple of games this weekend which are rearranged from earlier in the season, but their next game now is at home against Neath on the 4th of March. So, yeah. you know, uh, that's, a, that's a hard, hard game to pick yourself up. It's not a hard game to pick yourself up for, but it's a hard game to see anything other than a, a, a neat win but they got two weeks to prepare for that game so you know fingers crossed on that yeah so, I mean when they went to the Knoll early in the season you know it was a 33-23 loss and that was that was a real positive it, it might have been a loss but that was a real positive in Narbeth's season yeah let's, let's have a look at League One West then so Krimmick had a decent win over Velen Boyle um, Aberystwyth lost to Gersainen and Pembroke obviously lost to Clefty Wanderers um, Newcastle Emlyn had a decent win over Hendy so uh, Krimic was 22-19 Aberystwyth lost 2017 uh, Pembroke 33-7 and Newcastle Emlyn was 45-38 which leaves Krimic in quite a comfortable place at the top of the league there um, there's only I Gowerton are in second and three points behind, but Krimmick have got two point uh, two games in hand on Gowerton. I think the yeah. side that, that might trip everybody up is Newcastle Emlyn, who are in third, but they've only played nine games. So yeah, um, you know. I, I I'll be honest, I'm in that division. I'm looking at Llangeneth as the ones who are going to come from nowhere because I think they've only played seven games. It's like seven games, yeah, yeah. And I, I think they are going to because the results they've been putting in, you know, obviously there's only been seven of them, but mm. you know they have been incredibly strong, and mm. um, they they were in action in the Division One Cup on, on the weekend. And they they lost twelve eight away to St Peter's, so the league is now all is they've everything. got left. So Ooh. I think. I think they're going to come in and, you know, I, I think it's going to be a tight run. It's, I think it is a three-horse race turning into Krimich, Newcastle Emlyn and Llangenich. And, you know, once we get some of these, um, you know, rearranged fixtures played, we'll, we'll get a better view on, you know, what we're actually looking at, what Krimich need, what Newcastle need, what Llangenich need. Mm. But, you know, at the minute, I think, you know, Krimich are top of the table. And you'd rather have the points on the table than the games in hand. Yeah. Well, if you look at the other end of the table, Pembroke, <laughs> and I, I haven't seen where this has come from, but um, points. The, the points deducted and are now on minus four. So yeah. the least said about that, the better. I think, mate, we'll just 
skip over that one. At some point, I'll find out what it was for. But minus four is, yeah. So Division Two then, Division Two West, uh, Fishguard thirty-eight, Pontaberum six, Temby fifty-three, Lucker twenty-five, and we thought that was going to be a quite a tight game. That that Temby game. Yeah, um, and then in Locker is normally quite difficult, so that, yeah. that was very pleasing to see. Yeah, and then Milford eleven, Nat Gerig uh, thirty-two. So not bad, not a bad <laughs> set of results. Um, Temby now in third place, but again, they played 13, and the two sides ahead of them, Nagaredic and Ponte de Lice, both got um, they've only played 11, so you know, there's the games in hand for the others, and then um, fifth guard comfortable in mid table, Milford one off the bottom, so you know. I think Fishguard, you know, they got the opportunity to go up a couple of places. It's really tight in the middle of the table. I can't see Temby making the top two, in all honesty. But um, yeah, yeah. Just that's... just looking at that table and and looking, and you've got you know Kidwelly and Burryport both around them who haven't played as many games either. So I, I don't know if you know if top half is even going to be the end result for Temby. They are probably looking more mid-table along with Fishguard. It could end up being you know, a, a good shootout between Fishguard and Temby for top Pembrokeshire team. Mm. So let's have a look then in Division 3 West. Um, Haverford West beat Aberaeron 29-24. Cardigan lost to Larne 34-8. Quinns lost to Nayland 22-8. St David's put an absolute tonk in on Clannabother 52-18. And Langham, close game against Tregaron, they lost 19-8. So, you know, it's it, it hasn't really I'm, changed I'm, the table that much. Yeah. But I'll be honest, mate, I, I, I'm in tears by uh, when I when I saw on Saturday what happened in Tregaron. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I I I don't know how it happened. Yeah. They haven't won a game all season, and oh, you know, St David's done such a wonderful job against Llanabella. And for Langham to to not you know ride it home for me and sort the mm. out, it, it it broke my heart. It really did. Well, if we look at the table, we've got Sinclair's are in second place um, behind Lampeter. Then we've got Aberray running third, Larn in fourth, Nayland fifth, Haverford West sixth, St David seventh, Cardigan in eighth, Quinns in ninth. Then we've got Lanabother in 10th, Langham in 11th, and Tregaron at the bottom. So, uh, again, you know, the top end of the table, anywhere really from Nayland up. Um, potentially, when you have a Fred West got two games on Nayland. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a crazy run into the end of the season because the top end of that table is looking tight, mate. And that could be anyone from probably five or six teams will will be having a good end of season party. So yeah. Yeah. And a spe- special mention does have to go to um St. Clair's and Lampeter, who they they they're clearly top of the table for obvious reasons. And uh they did they weren't in action this week because they were both in cup action mm-hmm. and you know they they both made it through to the division three semi finals. Lampeter beating Flanar and sixteen twelve away and St. Clair's beating mold thirty five twenty one at home. So, you know, those two are really firing on all fronts and it's going to be a hell of a showdown between 
those two when they do come to meet. Hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, all that's left to, to do is make our quick predictions for the England game. Let's assume that there's going to be an England game. Um, and what, what what are your predictions for the England game, mate? And then we'll, we, I purposely left this to last because I haven't heard any announcements while we've been on air. So um, it could be uh, it could be uh, a crazy one. Um, so yeah, what's your uh, what's your thoughts on England? What's your score prediction for England? Oh, I don't know. Um... It's, it's so difficult with everything that's going on. And just looking at the England-Italy game, you know, they, they relied 95% of that game on the uh, forwards. And even though we've been getting a couple of dump ins, our forwards have been going well. So uh, I, I do think them coming to Cardiff is going to be massive in terms of, you know, the way the result's going to swing. I reckon we're going to pip it. Because I don't think you know England are just quite ready to start playing the ball further than they can, especially mm. if they you know insisting on Marcus Smith staying on the bench. So <laughs> I'm gonna go for a nice simple, probably something like eighteen fifteen win. Yeah. So I I've already predicted a a, a, a restaging of the ninety three ten nine win. Where, where we nick a try in the first half and stick a penalty over and then spend the rest of the game defending our line. Um, so I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to go with a a, a repeat of the 93. Um, yeah, Ian Evans try where he skinned um, Rory Underwood. And uh, yeah, something along those lines, a 10-9 win. Well, I'd, I'd settle for a 3-0 win with a dodgy penalty on 82 minutes. But who knows? Who knows? Mate? Yeah. Who, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, let's hope there is a game, obviously. Yeah. Well, we'll discuss all of that next week. We'll go through all of the, the off-field stuff next week and um, and we'll discuss the Scarlet's game against Munster next week as well. And other than that, mate, we are all done. We are all finished. We're all done. Yes, we, and we I'm, the, I'm the one who messed up this week. <laughs> I, I didn't forget anything. I tried to add something in. You add something in, wouldn't it? <laughs> Matt, all the best, mate. I shall catch up with you again next week. Enjoy your rugby, my friend. Yeah, it's brilliant talking to you, Lee. I'll see you again, Matt. See you, mate. Bye. You have been listening to the Westerer is Besterer podcast from the Scarlet Supporters PEMS team. You can follow us on Twitter on Scarlet PEMS. Find us on Facebook with Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire or email us on scarletspems at gmail.com. And remember, West is best, but Westerer is besterer. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.